Welcome to Career Chat, where we discuss career stories to help find a path for you. I'm your host, Andrea LeBaron, and it's my goal to help you find meaningful work. Breck Bolton thought getting a job doing TV weather would fulfill a lifelong dream, and it has. But it's also been interesting watching the industry change over the course of his career. Join me as Breck talks about his experiences as a Fox affiliate meteorologist. We'll discuss two pathways to doing TV weather, the process of getting hired, and working the green screen. Breck also shares why he doesn't think you should rely only on your weather app. Let's jump in. Welcome, Breck. I am so happy to have you as a guest today. Thanks for spending some time chatting with me. Well, thank you for the opportunity. We've been trying to get this done, and and uh, I'm I'm happy that finally time and schedules permit, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Yes, me too. I'm really glad it worked out. So to get us started, could you introduce yourself to us? Tell us where you're from, where you live now, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit about your family and um, your job title. Sure. So again, Breck Bolton, uh, born and raised in a suburb in Salt Lake City called Taylorsville. It's near Murray. Um, that's where I born and raised, went you know, elementary, junior high, high school. Uh, after that, uh, got my associate's degree at Salt Lake Community College and then went to the University of Utah. Um, and that's where I uh, received my degree in meteorology, which we'll talk about. Uh, that pertains to my one of my jobs. Um, Currently, I live in Mill Creek, Utah. I have four boys, uh, one that is 23, one that is uh, 19, and then two younger boys, 11 and 9. I live here with my wife, Lisa. And, um, you know, as we talked about, uh, one of my uh, jobs or careers and career paths is I with be, having a meteorology degree, I'm a meteorologist uh, doing uh, TV weather casting for a local uh, Fox affiliate, Fox 13. And you can catch me on the weekends, morning and night, uh, giving weather forecasts and weather reports uh, live on TV. That is so great. And that is one of the first things I was so interested in when I met you was that you are doing the weather for a TV station. I just thought that was so cool. And I've been curious about it ever since. So I'm really thrilled that you would um, come and talk to me about it. And I was thinking about this interview and I started thinking about how when I was growing up, um, we used to say something like, let's see what the weatherman says. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm kind of I'm kind of struck by that for a couple reasons, because first of all, it seems like every local channel, every national network has female weather people. So you would never want to say a weatherman anymore, (laughs) right? Right, right. (laughs) But then secondly, I think that um, a weatherman, that term kind of has the air of someone who doesn't necessarily know the science behind the weather, but someone that can like read the graphics and be an on-air talent. And now it seems like, as opposed to when I was growing up, everyone's referred to as a meteorologist. So I I wanted to get your perspective on that. Sure. Um, I, I, you know, with TV and its evolution, uh, both in broadcasting and news, uh, you know, the weather department within a newscast also has gone through an evolution where, 
you know, if you look back when, you know, local TV and local news really gained its steam and traction, you know, from uh, the seventies into the eighties, initially people who started doing weather per se, didn't have a, you know, maybe didn't have a weather background. Maybe they were a great TV personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that they didn't learn it along the way, but it wasn't required to, to, you know, have a meteorology degree to the nineties. Uh, you know, they, again, if they had a great t- TV personality, could stand in front of a camera, could point correctly and at least speak to the weather that they were able to have jobs and, and actually do quite well. But then, yeah, you know, it, over time, especially in, in markets where weather, it, it, you know, is, is, I mean, typically for us, it's not a life or death situation. It can be, you know, we have severe weather, we have thunderstorms, you know, um, right. You know, flooding, flash flooding, uh, you know, big time winter storms, avalanches and so forth. But when you're talking areas such as, you know, uh, the Midwest that really have at very active weather and it's, it's, you know, when, when something like that happens and they've got 24 hour coverage and live on scene and, and, and in hurricane country as well, it's, you know, you, you need to know the science. They, they want you to have the ability to, you know, forecast and, and know how to do that, prepare that and speak to it and speak to it uh, with some, you know, ex- expertise and, and, you know, and with that and having the credentials, people then you, you, it lends to having trust and, and at least to be, uh, you know, willing to, to, to listen to somebody and know what they're saying is they've got the background to be able to speak to it. So it, it's gone through that uh, definitely trend. Nowadays, it's not always the case, but most times you need to have a degree and there's, and there's two routes to go that way. Um, yeah, my route is I graduated from the University of Utah and there are accredited research institutions that have a more in-depth, uh, view and, uh, uh, you know, education with meteorology and understanding not only how weather works, but getting into the, uh, mathematics of it all and how the models are generated and understanding that mathematics and science. And so it's, uh, like the University of Utah, um, you know, it's really it's a five year program to get your bachelor's because the, uh, you know, the science and the mathematics that are required to even get into the program. Like I had to go through, you know, I had to go a year of calculus in college and then a whole nother year of engineering mathematics. So it was the same track that if someone was to become any type of engineer or computer science degree. I had to take all the, the math plus the physics. You had a calculus-based physics, and then you had to do uh, or inorganic chemistry just to, to get into the program. And so there, wow, there, there's I a, had no idea that it was that mathematical. Yeah. Well, if, you, if I showed you the equations, uh, and if anyone knows um, engineering mathematics, differential equations, you have to be able to do that because of the you think of all the variables behind weather, you know, temperature, pressure, um, you know, wind, wind direction change and intensity. There's a lot of moving pieces in the mathematics to be able to handle multiple parameters that are changing, you know, instantaneously. It's, it's, it's a lot of mathematics where nowadays, 
you know, these computer models are able to generate those uh, equations and do it quickly. And but you know, like anything that you're getting a degree, you have to understand why and, and what's behind it. So, uh, okay, so two things come to my mind right away that I I want to ask you. First of all, um, one of my biggest questions was: Are you the one who is looking at just the raw material, the raw data out there, and you are coming up with that forecast, whatever forecast you need to put together for the news? Or are you looking at scientific models that have already been produced and you're, you're putting the graphics together? Yeah. So nowadays, because of technology, because of the processing speed of computers, they generate models, models that are generated either at some educational institute in institution or from a government agency that are sponsored because it has to be kind of coordinated. They generate the models, and so I'm able to see those models and look at a, an array of them because each model has a little bit different of a tweak to it. But in the combination, I mean, they, they a lot of times they do agree, maybe not, uh, you know, explicitly, but, but um, they, they do. Uh, uh, I, I, we are all as meteorologists able to get the same data and be able to see the same models. And it's, it's, it's our interpretation and experience of those models to know they're never 100% accurate. But just what we've experienced forecasting, use those models, we know when they can be on or you know off or or have some variable that we've seen before that we go okay this is something that you know i can take from different viewpoints and and just by experience you know make my own interpretation but we we all get the same model input uh that we all uh, you know use to, to, to generate our forecast and are you looking at um like a government um, database that is local to your area or are you looking at like a national database? So uh, what happens is to generate a model, you've got to take measurements at various locations and you need to have the model look at locations all across the world because it's all interconnected. You think of hmm. the, like the Northern hemisphere and the jet stream what is coming down the road and what goes into the computer models, it has to see everything to see how it plays on the field because that's how it's going to generate forecasting ahead of how the changes will occur. So, you know, every day they, they take measurements, whether it be from weather balloons, whether it be from uh, uh, various weather stations, uh, uh, vehicles, air, air, you know, aircrafts, and, and it takes all those measurements and puts it into the system and then it outputs it. And then what happens is in the model, I can say, okay, now let's take this area of coverage. So let's say the state of Utah and let's run the models as that is running through this area. And so it, it's, it's a, it's a coordin- it's a huge coordinated effort. Uh, like for instance, like the national weather service, every weather station across the country still twice a day launches a weather balloon and allows that to go up in the atmosphere and, and uh, brings in that data into the models and it, the, wow. the equations. And then, you know, we, we still need 
and, and things are improving to try to get data from various sources. So instead of a weather balloon, can we, on certain airplanes, you know, as they're going up in elevation, can we somehow get that data, um, you know, uh, but we need, and we get a lot of, of course, we get a lot of surface data, you know, and, and surface data at various elevations. But when it comes to these computer models, you need to go thousands of feet up in the air because it's not only just taking measurements, yeah, on the ground level, but I got to be able to see up at, you know, 20,000 feet too. You know, it's, it's right at all vertical levels. Now you understand that the complexity when you see these yes. equations, it's like, okay, yeah, I've, it's what's changing at the surface, but I also have to know what's changing at all levels of elevation, you know? It's, that it's, just it's, sounds it's, so complicated. It's kind of, a, if you think of a, you know, X, Y, Z axis, you, you, you've got to incorporate it all. And so it's, yeah, and, I, and when I was going into it, I was like, yeah, I can do math. I can, but I had no idea what, how <laughs> in depth and... You know, and, and so as I was talking before, I went the route of really learning a, uh, a complete overview of the science and the mathematics and everything behind it. The other route in doing, again, TV broadcasting meteorology, you can get a degree. There's this uh, 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 school called Mississippi State, and they have kind of a online uh outreach set you know kind of a satellite campus where i i can you know get it like a certificate a two-year certificate um and they will teach you all about the science how to forecast you know understanding what occurs but they don't it's not um you know it it, it doesn't go into the equations or understand the, the, the heavy math or the heavy science behind it but it's it's definitely sufficient to be able to see things and to be able to speak to them and share the information. And, and looking, oh, that's good back, to know. Yeah, and looking back, you know, I if if I were to see that, okay, I'm just going to do TV meteorology, I may have gone that route because it wasn't mm-hmm. it really wasn't required for me to get all this other stuff. Now, if I'm going to work at the Weather Channel you know, something that it is where they do speak to the science. I mean, they'll have their meteorologists, but they'll have their experts and all their experts are like, you know, master's degree or PhD that, that you yeah. have to, you have to know, you know, the full fledged here. But uh, if I'm doing weather in San Diego and they want a certified meteorologist, they don't care if it's from a, you know, a research Institute or Mississippi state, then, you know, you, you can, and, and a lot of people who've been in the TV industry who want to kind of uh, keep their value in that they can show they can do multiple things, you know, they can kind of pivot. So let's say yeah. I, I got into uh, TV news and going through the, you know, the, the journalism route. And I said, okay, I started off and I wanted to do, you know, reporting and I became an anchor and I, but, you know, it's like, well, I, you know, I, if I could do weather, then that will give me even a, a, a better value that I can stay in the business and maybe even get a better job. And so they, they might pivot. And a lot of females right. have done that where they get in the business to be on TV and then they go get that two-year degree from Mississippi State. Then that allows them to at least, 
know, have be looked at to be considered for a Right. So not everybody that we're seeing on air doing weather has necessarily gone through the rigorous meteorology Correct. Um, degree. Correct. Okay. So I'll give you an so example would... of my station. So I, yeah. I, let's see, am I the only one? I'm the only one in my station that's done the, the, the full four year, you know, research in mathematics. Uh, uh, let's see, Allison did a two year with Mississippi state. Damon did Mississippi state and see now we have Danny who she does traffic in the morning and then they allow her to do the 11 and noon weather. And she's just starting out taking the classes, but they're allowing her to do it on air. I mean, cause she can speak to it, but you know, yeah. it's, it's TV. It's just interesting. It's, <laughs> and it's changing. It's like, you know, it, it, they're, uh, and this isn't always the case, but it's, you know, they're very uh, high priority of how you look and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's becoming more of an image thing it becomes even uh, like, like if, if, if you think back to like the Walter Cronkite years, I mean, here Walter Cronkite was somebody who had a passion, uh, delivered the news. Great. Uh, high priority of, you know, uh, important journalism, but I don't know in this day and age of how we uh, view our—I uh, shouldn't say talking heads—but I don't know if he could get a job nowadays in that set. You know, chief anchor of a yeah. major network news, just because of his looks. I mean, he wasn't like anything. Right. Was like, oh, this is such a handsome. I'm gonna. But now it just seems like in our <laughs> world we have become more. I want to get my information. I want it to be reliable, but it really helps out if they look good and, you know, have a, you know, the best voice. <laughs> it's like, well, exactly. And I was going to, I was going to ask you how much of your job do you feel is the science of meteorology and how much of it is being media savvy? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it, you definitely have to have a good balance. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if you come across and are, talking over you know talking over people's heads way too much you can't relate to them and and bring it down to layman's terms but also you know speak clearly and you know people are comfortable with your presentation that it's i i I definitely would lead it more you know i would probably give it a 60 percent media savvy 40 percent you know the science information the accuracy and was that something that you learned along the way? Like, did you realize going into TV weather that it was going to be that kind of 60-40 split? Or um, was that is has that become a frustration to you? Um, you know, a little bit of a frustration. Um, uh, I think knowing going into it, yes, I, I, I you know, uh, eyes wide open, knowing that that was definitely a, a part of it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just have seen it change even just in the last decade. Um, mm. and, and it's funny because it kind of went, you know, at first it was probably, you know, and we're talking, you know, 60s, 70s, and the 80s, it was probably 80% media savvy, savvy 20%, you know, um, knowing the science and really to be able to speak to it. 
and, and now I'm speaking of things locally, you know, and, and taking a sure. local twist. I mean, everyone who's lived in Utah with weather knows Mark Eubank. I think he set a new standard where it's like, it we kind of went 80%, you know, knowing the science and be able to speak to it. And, 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 and not to say that uh, Mark wasn't media savvy. He def he definitely was. Uh, he had a great presentation, you know, a, a good look, right. but he knew like the priority was, he knew what he was talking about and he put a lot of time and effort to make sure of that. And then I feel like it's kind of, gone back the other way not not completely but you know it's it's more of a but but again it, that's just media period you gotta you gotta know how to speak and how to deliver the right message and know what uh, appeals and what doesn't so so did you always want to be a meteorologist or was this something that you know it kind of came to you as you were in college. Yeah. So I had a, a wonderful experience as in junior high in eighth grade, we got a new science teacher. His name was Clayton breath. And he was the local weather caster for ABC four. I remember that name. Yeah. And he, and he was a climatologist and a climatologist is someone that studies, you know, long range weather patterns and they don't get maybe a, a detailed weather forecast, but they try to give a good, general forecast that's long range and mm-hmm. they use a lot of historical data to try and find trends uh on that data so and he got his degree in utah state anyhow he was a very good educator very passionate about being a teacher and he kind of fell into doing tv weather just as a you know as a side gig but for a while he was like the main weather person so he would teach during the day get done and this is back in the day where they just had you know maybe a five o'clock newscast and a 10 o'clock newscast. Now we have like 10 and a half hours. Of 24 seven. Yeah, right. Like, so he could manage that, even though it would be, it would have been tough, but he was doing that. And then uh, I was in his first year at Eisenhower junior high, which is in Taylorsville. I, that was his first year there at that school. He had taught another school and transferred there. And, and I had a science class. And then the following year he had a weather class. He was able to get approval to, offer that in the, in the ninth grade curriculum. And so I took that class and just, I be, fell in love with weather. I mean, I've, I've, it became a, you know, a driving passion. Um, you know, the, the things I learned there and then just through, and I just put that in the back of my head, like, could, could I do this? And, and seeing him do that really kind of kept it something that, that's what I, you know, as, as I was considering things in high school and in the first part of college, you know, I was looking at becoming a dentist or, or <laughs> I just had two options, dentist or <laughs> a meteorologist, but I wanted, so I wanted to do it, you know, I, I just, yeah. I, 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 and severe weather was a really, a, a huge interest for me and, and, you know, I, I would watch tons of videos and read books about tornadoes and, and uh, loved a, a cool weather storm. You know, I remember one day in science class, a cold front was coming through and the snow squall came right across the school soccer field. And we just all were looking out the window and I was just so enthralled. And that, from that time, I thought, okay, this is a possibility. And if I really want to follow my passions, then this is something I really need to consider. And so you know, I went on a church mission and came back and said, I'm going to do it just went to it and 
Um, I remained friends with him. And so as I was going to school and finishing up at the U, I started working at the local TV station as a weather producer. So I was the one that kind of helped put the graphics together for him and actually got a chance to work with him and Dan Pope. And they kind of helped get me into the business. So I started at Channel 4 and was able to start doing some fill-in work and kind of moved up and then did that for a number of years and then went to Channel 2. And I think we're there three or four years and I've been at Fox ever since. So it, it was something that was early. It wasn't just in high school or college. It was junior high that, uh, 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 you know, a teacher really kind of inspired me. And uh, I love hearing that yeah. because, you know, I do think teachers have such a, a impact on kids. And I think you just cannot underestimate how important teachers are and how important good teachers are. Right. Um, they just can make such a difference for kids. And you've, you mentioned that you, so you've been at some of the different local stations here. Is that typical for, you know, on air TV people in general, or or is that kind of specific? Yeah, no, I definitely, if you look through the years, there has been kind of this, you know, musical chair, uh, you know, so if I like, for instance, you know, Mark Eubank went from channel two to channel five, right. Um, Mm. and then, you know, um, Terry Wood went from channel two to channel five to channel four. Uh, Dan Pope went from channel four to channel five to channel 13 and back to channel four. Um, it happened and it's probably even easier for that to happen. Uh, two or three years ago, they changed some legislation to where there's not a non-compete where there used to be. Oh, I had heard that there was like you couldn't yeah. work for one station right. if um, quickly after another right. station. It, right? it used to be a twelve-month window. So, like if you remember, Mark Eubank left Channel Two, had to sit out a year, and probably oh. got paid by KSL during that year. But he had to sit off uh, and be you know be off the air for a year, and then came back and and his son did the same thing too. His Kevin was at Channel Two. Yeah and sat out for a year and, and then came back and did KSL. Now they got rid of the non-compete. Now there's certain things you have to, like if I leave a station or let's say I, my contract's up. And, and what, one thing I can speak to is in TV, you, you, you have contracts. And so it's not like, hey, I got this job and I've got it as long as I want. And it's like, you know, mm. usually you sign a, a one, two, three-year contract. And you, every time that comes up, you have to negotiate or the, you know, the TV station says, oh, you know, thank you for your time. We don't want to have you anymore. And then you're done. It's like, and that's kind of one of the reasons why, and we'll talk about this, why I didn't go full, you know, full fledged and jump into a full time doing weather because there's just some things that I didn't like about the business and I didn't want to put myself in a position that, Anyways, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, yeah, so now there's not a non-compete. So if, if I leave and as long as they don't want to match an offer by another station, I can the next day go to another station. And we've seen in the oh. last six months that happen. So so that's a change for the better. Right? Yeah, definitely for us. And it's, and it's, yes, and, and, and I think it's good for the stations because, you know, hopefully they, you know, they see that they need to value their employees and, and yeah, you know, it's, you know, it, it has been good when you are looking for some experience are there internships that are available or like 
a possibility to job shadow somebody Absolutely. who's in the industry? Yeah, I've had I've had a few people job shadow, and and there are internships, you know, and that's locally, but at, at all levels, you know, national news, Weather Channel. Um, there's definitely opportunities, and and like me, and I know other stations do this too. You know, you can become a weather producer, which means you get to work with the meteorologist, kind of help do the forecast. You maybe not be on air, um, mm-hmm. but you're you're definitely helping with the graphics and the forecasting. And a lot of times, you can fill in, you know, when they need help. And so that's so there's the internship. That could be a spring. And there's actually a job thing that you can do to kind of get you into the business. So yeah. Do you um do you have a typical resume when you're kind of out job shopping or are you using a demo tape? Both. You have a resume that okay. you, you put out there and you even have to do more where it's like here's a resume tape and a lot of people will have their own little website where they put up wow. put up a link of their videos and you know usually you have a an array of videos of you know forecasting various events but also kind of showcasing your fun side so you might have a little clip that you know you some banter back and forth between the anchors and yeah people that are wanting to and that's that's another thing that is important to do is just you know keep current and right now it's like you speak of being media savvy you have to be savvy to okay i'm doing tv weather but i've got to be active on social media and I've got to have mm. active accounts with, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and, and really develop that. So- um, when you are trying to get this experience to put a demo tape together, like you're not doing that in your basement, are you? Are you like using an internship or, right. um, you know, how are you maybe do you have an opportunity in school to put a demo yeah. tape together? So um, like what I was able to do is I, you know, I went to the meteorology program, but I also took broadcasting classes up at the university of Utah. They have a great, you know, broadcasting um, yes. department. And so I actually did weather for that broadcast and was able to you know, get that on tape. Okay. And, and so, yeah, you get that, or if you go internship, I mean, a lot of the TV stations will, as you're working for them, allow you to, you know, go on air and, and do, um, um, you know, the various takes and use their systems and so forth to be able to do that. So, um, while we're talking about, um, putting a tape together, can we talk just quickly about the green screen? <laughs> because I think most people recognize that a green screen is what, you know, um, has been used in on-air weather, but I'm wondering if that is still the case, or is oh, yeah. it more yeah. computer-generated? No, no, no. You, you still need a green screen, chroma key. You, you you have to have it still a green screen and chroma key technology because it's you're still shooting on a camera and you, it can't cast any shadows, and so you still have to use you know chroma key. And, and chroma key is used in you know, I mean, I see apps on on. Instagram and TikTok that use green screen technology for you to project yourself. Doesn't necessarily hmm. always have to be a green screen. It can just be a, you know, uh, um, uh, any color that's you know consistent and doesn't you know. So go ahead. 
is that really hard to learn? Because I um, mean, I've done a little bit of green well, screen. Yeah, and it, it just takes seems a genius, really. To <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's not. It, it you get used to it pretty quick. I mean, you know, people see oh, how do you how are you able to point in the map? I mean, when, when right. literally, if you do it a number of times, your brain really figures out your it. frame of reference where you're standing and. And you, it's just almost become second nature. You know, we have screens like I have a screen right before the ca- right below the camera lens. So as I'm looking at the camera, I can actually see myself and how it looks oh. on TV so I can see where I'm pointing. Okay. And then I've got one to the right and left. So every, anywhere I turn, I see, you know, uh, understand where my positioning is. So have you ever had like some really embarrassing like slip up on air <laughs> yeah. and what do you do yeah, well you just the hard thing is just nothing you can do i mean you're live with maybe like <laughs> a three or four second delay so you just have to uh, continue on um <laughs> right. it, can i give you a pg-13 uh version of my mess up yes okay, I, just, I didn't know if i could say a little swear word or not it's it's it's, it's not that bad but so uh one time i was doing the evening news and we just had had a snowstorm and so i was going over and reporting the amounts you know various locations had received so i said okay you know so like city has three inches Layton has four and then i had uh one where i was sharing how up in bountiful on the bench they got like i don't know six or seven inches and i said it really quick and i said up on the battle, or I said the battleful bitches got seven inches last night instead of bench. <laughs> the battleful benches, I said it really quick. So battleful bitches got. So <laughs> I said that really quickly, and the and the the, the anchor just kind of stopped. That just started laughing. <laughs> and the, the the camera was still on me, but you know when you hear someone laughing, you kind of pause and think, and then you start going right. through your head. Okay, what did just happen? What, what did, did I, I say? say? And so. <laughs> You know, and then they had to go back to the anchor and she was still giggling. And so, yeah. And then the next thing you know that it's on YouTube. Exactly. Oh, there's there's some great things on YouTube that you can see. Yeah. Uh, I love that. So um, talking about stories, do you have any stories about like big weather events that stick out in your mind that you've reported? Yeah. Um. I wasn't on air, but reported that night. And of course the morning after the tornado, uh, August, 1999 in Salt Lake. Uh, So I was able to do some reporting, you know, with the aftermath um, and and then kind of go through the science of what happened there. And I just had been out of the university of Utah for a year. So I had some good connections at the U still. So we kind of were able to, you know, do, do some insight on that. You know, I've had, I remember one day, and I don't know if people remember this, we had a day of severe weather all throughout the state where we had a tornado and, and I was live on air when this happened. And I remember, because now it's, you know, like I said, with these computer models, they're amazing. So as I was on air looking at radar, we had this ability Within a kind of, you have to select something on the the, the radar map, and it, it identifies rotation. It's able to see based on radar if there's rotating debris, uh, you know, or whether that be you know actual debris or you know rain or what have you. And, and it brought up you know 
this rotation little swirl thing on screen. I'm like, oh, there's something going on here. This is pretty, I, you know, and I was just like, would not be surprised if we, if you see a funnel cloud or let's just keep watching it. And that Riverdale tornado still up near uh, August. And it was probably a mile, mile and a half of stretch where it was an F. I'm trying to remember if it was F0 or F1. It wasn't F2. The one in Salt Lake wasn't F2. Anyhow, um, Mm. You know, I was I was on there, and then that same day, down in I want to say Panguitch area, there was another tornado, and that's just rare to have two tornadoes reported in Utah same yes, same day. I mean, we get tornadoes. We on average we get a you know a couple a year, but they're usually fairly remote, remote and very weak. But to have you know mm. in, in in populated areas that we could report on. And I think that was within a day or two of the flash flood that occurred down in, um, oh, was it Colorado City? Um, is that the, or T, was it Teasdale or Colorado City? It was where they had the, the polygamous family that was trapped in a van and passed away. Yes. Yeah. So it was. And that was just a few yeah, years ago. That was long ago. So I was, ago. Uh, you know, they're reporting on that as it was, ha- you know, not knowing exactly that that was occurring, but knowing that flash that there was flash flood warnings in place and an incredible amount of precipitation produced down there. Mm. And just knowing that what was going to be taking place. So, yeah, so that was, that was a really crazy um, couple of years. And then, and mm. I've done, uh, you know, live reports when we have those downslope winds up in Weburn Davis County and we get them down here too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was reporting the night before the one that hit just this last fall that did a you know yeah. incredible amount of damage that I don't think any of us I right. mean we all knew that we'd have strong winds but that was once in a, nobody really knew it was going to be yeah that no bad, well right? and and knowing especially in in Salt Lake City proper avenues and towards Liberty Park we just don't get that that strength of wind that far out in salt lakes and we'll get the strong winds but not like that was just a well yeah it's like once a, a century event <laughs> that was just incredible. and of course it happened in 20 yeah, right right <laughs> it's just like what else it piled up it piled <laughs> on that's for sure but i've been up where i you know reporting live you know 90 per hour winds up in farmington you know and, and trying wow. to stand there doing the you know, report and so no, and that and that's what <laughs> blowing away. Yeah, oh yeah, I was. It was incredible, and, and and see, that's something that I just like. I love. I remember one wind event. I just like at two a.m. woke up and drove my car up there, and just stood in the wind just to feel it, just to say, okay, what is what wow. is that's that's just like literally. If there was a tornado, you know, if I saw some severe weather, I'm driving towards it, like. I'm not, you know, right. just because I want to just, you know, I've been, I'll take my kids and go storm chasing, you know, that's the fun stuff. It's, so it's not, it's not just a career. It really yeah, is it's, an it's, interest it's, and a it's, passion. It's, it's, it's something that I just, you know, I, I kind of wish uh, I would have maybe gone to school in the Midwest and, and, you know, gone to, in Oklahoma and, and really done more mm-hmm. with severe weather and at least done a little bit more tornado chasing, you know. And, mm. and you know, I've I've been able to do that here, but one of these days and one of these years, I kind of want to just take off for two weeks in the spring and know that if there, 
something's going to happen, I can just go chase some storms. You're going to yeah, be there. So, <laughs> but. so I want to just bring up quickly, I, you also know sign language, and I know that you've incorporated signing into part of your forecast, right? Yeah. Or you've done a signing, a separate signing forecast that um, is on the internet. Yeah, so um, I learned sign language on my own church mission that I did for two years. I was up in Washington state. And so, and I was like a sign language interpreter for about four, maybe five years after I got back. And, and I've always been, you know, I don't say I've kept it up, but I've been able to use it through the years. And yeah, I never used it on TV. I mean, it's, I mean, I, I, I guess I could, but I'm sure it'd be kind of annoying, you know, I mean, local TV news has closed captioning, so it's not like, right. But, even with that, especially like for weather, it, it's not scripted. I don't follow script. I just, you know, talk and, hmm. and anchors do. Anchors, reporters, they have everything scripted out. So they're reading a teleprompter, but a weather caster doesn't have a teleprompter. Right. So the, the systems are able to pick up what we're saying. But a lot of times when it has to do that, and when it's not scripted, words get switched around or you know, a word will get misinterpreted. It can totally change the meaning of the message. And, and, you know, it doesn't give the accurate information. I mean, they can see the icons on the map, you know, there's the sunshine, there's the numbers, but to really get a description description and, you know, a little bit more in depth information, they, they, they miss out sometimes. So, um, one time I saw this weather weather caster, I think down in Florida or somewhere, maybe it was Alabama, I can't remember. He knew sign language, and so he did a, a Facebook sign language forecast. And I was like, oh, that was great. You know, I wonder if I could do that here. And and so I I, I remember, this was like, I don't know, probably four or five years ago, I, I did a Facebook, um, and I can't remember if it was a Facebook Live or anyway. So I, I posted just, you know, here's a seven-day forecast. And the first time I did that, oh my gosh, I got like, I want to say there was a million views and like three, 3,500 comments. It was just like blown wow. up. Yeah. And so then, and I, and I try to do it every week. Sometimes I miss, but so every week I try to do a Sunday because I only work on the weekend. So every Sunday night I'll do a Facebook live in sign language. So I'm not speaking. I'm just doing sign language forecasts and, you know, I get a few hundred people on watching and, and getting that. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's, I wish I would have, I should have realized it sooner that this was a a service that was needed. And, and, but you know, I, I do it now and and I get a lot of feedback from the deaf community, just thinking that I I do that and kind of share, I try to share a little information tidbits. And for a while I was actually trying to teach people various weather signs. So I did a little YouTube channel where, you know, I would kind of give the signing word of the day and teach them, you know, here's the sign for snow or here's a sign for rain or here's the sign for wind. And then I would wow. do my forecast and sign language. Where can people find that? Um, so if they'll just, if they search Breck Bolton on YouTube, you'll see my YouTube channel. And then if you follow me on Facebook, uh, every week I'll do a Facebook Live right about between 8.30 and 9.00. Uh, and then I'll, of course, post that. So if you're just following my feed, you'll see that. You'll be okay. able to see it. Perfect. Um, I want to ask you, is there something that would surprise people 
about your work or is there like a misconception that maybe people have or that you had about TV weather? Yeah, I think um, one of which, you know, people think that we just get the information from all the same place and that we all just, you know, copy the same numbers and it's, it's (laughs) totally different. I mean, we all, we all, take our own interpretation and our own experience and alter. And it's not like that we bury <laughs> all that much, but sometimes right. we will have some, you know, uh, like, you know, I might have a, a different temperature or conditions. You know, I might say that the storm is going to produce snow or rain and some people won't even do that. So I think mm-hmm. the concept misconception that it's all the same. It's, it's, it's not, I think there's a misconception now is, um, you know, my, my, uh, phone app and this forecast, I, get, I can just get the forecast from my phone and oh, you that's can, such a good point. yeah, no, and you can, and it's good, but I'm here to tell you it. And people will tell me all sometimes they're like, well, my app said this and it was completely wrong that there's still a need for human interpretation yes. to, to, to bring in accuracy and experience that still, uh, uh, a, a computer app or a program is is missing and 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 um it's coming from all various sources so there there's still uh value in in getting you know weather off your local news one just to get some maybe some uh explanation on things but really a better accurate forecast is still being generated from you know, you're from TV or weather service where you're, 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 there's human involvement. Is there anything that you wish you had known before you got into this career? You mentioned that you ha- had decided not to do like weather full time or jump into weather completely. Yeah. Well, and I, and you know, we're all in different stages of our lives. And I think, I think when I first, when, when you get into TV business, especially nowadays, you find people who get into the business because this is what a, 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 a typical pattern is, is I, when, I, when I get into TV, I got to start, start in a smaller market. So I might be like up in right. North Dakota working right. at some market and literally making 20000 a year and usually having to work two jobs just to survive. Right. And then you might make a jump to a bigger market. And it's like maybe your third or fourth jump after two or three years at each market that you kind of landed in a market that pays decent enough and you're, you know, you're happy. And, and, and that type of movement and change maybe not be so conducive with the family life. So a lot of people that start in this business are single and they kind of stay single, you know, when, when they move through. As they're and, jumping around. As they're jumping around. And I wasn't like I was married in college and, you know, had a kid. And so that kind of kind of not forced me, but I, I had this, I was looking at things differently, you know, like, oh, it's just something I really want as a family life. And, and TV usually, you know, there, there's some weird hours. Like if I'm working the morning shift, I'm on air at 4.30 a.m. So that means I'm getting up at, you know, 3 a.m. And, you wow. know, but you're off by 10, you know. And and then the evening is like, you know, you're working from two until 10, 10 30, maybe getting home at 11. So that's not sometimes too conducive for a family. So 
family life and TV sometimes is struggle. But some people land a job where they're working the midday shift. You know, they're working from like nine to five and it's great, but you can't control that. Count the, on the, that. The, 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 the bigger paying jobs or the, 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 the main positions are either your late night news or your early morning news. And so I think, you know, one, had I not been married, I think I would have kind of jumped more in full ship and, and, you know, been fine with whatever and whatever happened. But, you know, you have to, you have to consider things, you know, when, when, when you have other people to consider with wife and kids. So, um, and then you just have to, you have to, I mean, TV is still a, a viable media outlet, but it's losing its luster. Hmm. I mean, it's just to give you an example, um, uh, you know, back in the 80s into the 90s and even in the, you know, most of the 70s. Like, for instance, if I were to look at the heyday of TV, it's, you know, early to late in 80s. So if I were to look at a, give you a local perspective, KSL News, which was the number one TV station at that time, um, you know, they were able to get a 35 to a 40 share. What does that mean? That means 350,000 to 400,000 people are watching your newscast. And back in the 80s, you know, with a million and a half population, that's a lot of people. You're able to command a lot of attention as well as generate money off advertising because the numbers were so high. Now, here we stand at 2021. A good night might be 60 to 70,000. And hmm. more, more, more on average, it's a 40 to a 50,000 person versus a 350,000. So the viewers are just... You, you, people are there's just too much competition there's there's so many options yeah for people there, i mean it used to be just cable and then satellite and now it's like off your phone and what you're able to stream and you know it's it, we've got and this is my personal opinion I, I we've got 20 years shelf life here because as soon as an older generation who grew up with local tv news it becomes their you know, kind of rich daily ritual, like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, everyone that's 55 and older, you know, they might, you know, I'm going to watch 10 o'clock news tonight. That's what I do every day. Right. But a younger right. generation, that's just not in their, it's nope. just not their interest. And, and, you know, they may tune in if there's something big going on, but day to day. Yeah. So it, it, it's just like everything else you have to be able to adapt and, you know, sometimes, so what would you say to somebody who is interested in meteorology? Like, is there a future in oh, TV it, weather? TV, or... Specifically TV weather, uh, I would have to say that's a question mark. I, I don't know. But is there another medium that you can do? Like, oh, okay, so I'll give you an example. So now meteorology... I mean, outside of TV, if I'm going to go work for the weather service, or there's a lot of private companies that depend on weather information uh, mm. that, that, that they, you know, make good money at. So agricultural, they always are looking for media information. Uh, gas companies, you know, they need to uh, price gas at a certain level based on, you know, one or two degree difference in temperature. So they, they constantly need 
meteorological consultants, uh, investments, mm. like investment companies who do buying of futures on, you know, whether it be crops or what have you, that it's so weather dependent, they, they have weather people on staff or meteorologists, I should say, and, and uh, you know, uh, de- transportation departments, state departments like UDOT, uh, they have meteorologists. So there's there, absolutely is there a job uh, you can always get and, and, and do find. There was just a period of time that TV money was very attractive. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a Mark Eubank made $350,000 a year, um, you know, and he literally spoke for, 10 minutes you know i did two two right. new, new newscasts at, at five minutes each like those days are you know I, they're not done yet because there's still there's still opportunities but those jobs are very very rare and and you can't bank on it and so right um but you know uh, can you adapt to the technology uh, I know a guy, his name's Evan Thayer, meteorologist who enjoyed skiing. Well, he developed a website to forecast, to do a blog and, and you know, do forecasting for Utah ski resorts. And, you know, Ski Utah, another one's caught, you know, caught notice there. And, and he formed a company with some other guys at different states who say, did the same thing. And so they provide all the weather forecasting for ski resorts. And he travels to you know, and just takes a really writes two, two, three paragraphs on a blog and it developed a nice little app that you can look at their information. And, you know, so he, he found a way to, to do what he loves, to share the information and find a, a, a platform that's up to date, you know? So do you need to, could I become the next TikTok weather forecaster, <laughs> you know, give a 30 second funny, clips with the weather I mean, that's kind of what you have to start doing you know start start thinking about start forward thinking yeah. in that way yeah you know it's it's not it's not longer it's shorter and how can i be uh funny and and you know he's you, you, you gotta be creative so if you if you really love weather and you feel like this is your passion and what you you want your career to to be there will be a place for you yes it, it may not look like it does now, right. but that shouldn't discourage you from pursuing it. Correct. There will always be a need for weather. And as it gets better and better to have people behind that and, and develop and, and, and interpret and, and, and put the information to the right. Do you have any, um, like a last piece of career advice, something that you would tell your boys? Yeah. You know, I, I, I definitely one follow your passions, but also d- don't limit yourself by what your current passions are, I guess. And, and, and look at a job that, um, not that you can have the best of both worlds, but one that, you know, you feel like you can have a decent living and lifestyle that can still be around your passions. And I think uh, passions generate creativity, right? I think just just mm. know that, and 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 you know you'll be fine as long as you keep that driving force going. There, you know, I, like I said with TV, it's, it is kind of changing, but you know, 
uh, I'm trying, we're all adaptable and we just have to be willing to be adaptable. I love that. Breck, thanks so much for joining me. This has been really fascinating. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad. No, I appreciate the time. It's been fun to talk about this. And yeah, and, you know, if anything within your podcast or what have you, if there's any additional questions, please let me know and I'll help any of your listeners uh, answer anything. Thanks for joining me today on Career Chat. Any links we talked about will be in the episode notes. You can find me on Instagram at Career Chat Pod. And if you like this episode, please leave me a review on Apple Podcast. See you next time. Thank you.